world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a linguist. no idea. <laughs> I, I didn't that. know you were, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267 22 Jiggy. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? It must be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy play guitar. Jeff. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my trick shots there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Welcome to our iHeartRadio edition of the world-famous Cheeky Chaguar radio program, Coast to Coast, Border to Border, on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and the brand-new Cheeky Chaguar app available in the App Store, JiggyChaguar.us. Selected editions, of, of course, will appear on iHeartRadio. This edition will appear on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com. If you are interested in becoming a broadcaster and getting your voice heard, in the new media revolution, check out amfm247.com. That's am247.com. Lots of great programming, lots of great hosts, so check out amfm247.com. They also have a partnership with Roku as well. So if you're interested in getting on the Roku players and the Roku boxes, you can check that out over there at amfm247.com. Okay, now that that's out of the way, let's actually get to the show. We've got uh, <laughs> we've got Brian Carpenter with us today. And we're being, and we're, we're, we're trying to be joined by Dan Perkins, but I'm gonna actually call the, the, the whole, uh, we're gonna call the whole gang here. We've got Don Mazella on Skype. He is the, uh, fantastic, fantastic newspaper journalist. We also have with us IQ Al Razzoli from, uh, well, he's, he's from wherever. Uh, this guy has a price on his head. 24-7, or as they call it, a fatwa. I wish I had a fatwa on me sometimes, but um, uh, IQ Arizoli with us today. And uh, we're also being joined by our good buddy Dan Perkins. Uh, good afternoon, sir. Dan is Dan is back. He's uh, he's get, He's got the whole thing going there. And uh, I like that purple shirt, by the way. Uh, Thank you very much. It's my royal purple. <laughs> now, uh, joining us today on our broadcast is a interesting guest, and I wanted to have him on based upon the fact that we do have Dan on our broadcast. Um, he's a former U.S. Marine. He's also a top-selling author of Never-Ending Battle After Iraq, A Marine's mm-hmm. Road to Recovery. Brian Carpenter with us today. Now, we often hear about post-traumatic stress disorder being associated yes. with armed forces, but we also do not hear about how it affects their everyday life. PTSD affects one in eight soldiers, but less than half of those soldiers sought the help that was necessary to come back the demons they face. Most cited this due to the fear of it harming their military career, their negative connotations that come with being diagnosed with PTSD. PTSD is not something that can be overcome very easily. Treatment is necessary to help these right. battles with the symptoms that they face. And with us today, former U.S. Marine Brian Carpenter. And uh, Brian, you're an inspirational speaker, you're a resiliency expert, and uh, you're a best-selling author. Uh, welcome to our uh, Fine little abode here on our on our broadcast. Thank you. Thanks for having. Now, now, Brian, you've written this book, Never Ending Battle After Iraq: A Marine's Road to Recovery. We're going to talk today a little bit about the armed forces and everything else. Um, first of all, tell us a little bit about the book, and then I'll let Dan and Don and IQ jump in and ask you some questions. And we'll uh, we'll talk about your book, and then I also want you to hang around with us, and we'll talk about some current issues uh, with the election and things like that. But tell us about the book, Never Ending Battle After Iraq. Okay, well, first off, I want to tell Dan with this purple shirt, hey, real men wear purple. <laughs> real men wear purple there, Dan. <laughs> That's right. What? Real men wear purple. That's true. I'm, I am in touch with my feminine side, and I don't like it. I want my masculine side. Well, I uh, I'm not hearing him very strongly. Yes, you I'm working up, on that Jim? right now. I'm working on that right now. Brian, keep talking, my friend, and I'll get, get some things figured out here. Okay, well, I, I go by the purple because I wear a purple heart, so real men wear purple. But anyways, <laughs> the the book started off as, coming up as a little kid, I developed the military to be my dream. 
Well, all I did in school was talk about military and did all my projects, and all I did was talk about was military, and then graduated, went to sign up, and leave for boot camp, and I got disqualified for a uh, skin deporter. While my military was such a dream for so long, I refused to give it up. So I went out to my congressman and my dermatologist, got a waiver letter, and finally got accepted in the Marine. I shipped off to boot camp in February of 05, went to boot camp, went to combat training, went to MOS school, and came home, checked in my unit, and they told me I was deploying. And of course, went straight training for Iraq, and then went to Iraq about three, almost four months in. I hit my second roadside bomb, which put me in a medically induced coma, and I have, I woke up with a severe traumatic brain injury, a broken back, seven vertebrae in my lower back broke, and shattered my pelvis in five different areas. I had internal bleeding from the shattered pelvis. I shattered my right ankle. I can't lift my left foot. I got cut for an emergency trachea on scene, and they nicked my carotid artery and caused a six-unit blood transfusion in my coma, which the body only holds 12 to 14 units of blood. Wow. So I woke, yeah, so I woke up to a page full of injuries, and they told me my Marine Corps dream was done which is right. all my dreams out of my face right there. And then now my new goal or my new destiny was to learn to walk again and get back to normal. So I did four months full-time therapy. I had to go through speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy. And then they, my mom told them that she wanted me to come home, live at home. She'll take care of me and take me to my outpatient therapy for a year. And then finally I just said, I'm done. I got to do this on my own. So I got out of my therapy, started going to the gym a little bit here and there, got retired in 2008 from the Marines, medically retired, and then that was where my nightmare started. Well, I found myself at a bar all the time trying to my sorrows and pain and anxiety away, and then finally I got right. introduced to the martial arts gym. Well, the mixed martial arts gym, I had no idea what mixed martial arts was back in the day because I just was kind of clueless on everything, and they told me it was the UFC stuff to see on TV, so I was like, okay, well, it's something I can check into. Well, I got started in with mixed martial arts, and it became my life, and I was back to eating, sleeping, dreaming, talking, everything MMA, and then eventually I became a mixed martial arts trainer for the gym. Hmm. And in the process... I call my training, I picked up personal training, which I call public training, so I don't train nobody, I just do it for free. And then I got into bodybuilding with it as well. And then eventually became a bouncer in security with a little nightlife shenanigans. So I had a lot of stuff going for me at that point in time, and then the Indians, Cleveland Indians actually caught word of my inspirational story of what I was doing with injuries I got to live with and disabilities I got to live with. And so finally, they're like, we'd like you to throw out the ceremony opening pitch for the Indians on 2012. Wow. Now, Dan, you 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 work with uh, with, with with all sorts of folks. You you've got your uh, your your foundation. Um, yes. You have any? You have any? I'm going to let you start our uh, start our discussion here with Brian. Sure. Um, uh, thank you for your service. Um, uh, we have a foundation called Songs and Stories for Soldiers, and our mission is very simple. We know that, according to the Department of Defense, about one-third of the returnees from the Gulf Wars uh, is diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. The biggest problem with PTSD is sleep deprivation. And we know that uh, sleep deprivation is the cause of the escalating suicide rate among veterans. Um, we have a program, um, Brian, that um, is MP3 based, where we go into a hospital, a clinic, a homeless shelter, a vet center, warrior and transition unit, and uh, we give the soldiers there a loaded MP3 player and the most important piece of that MP3 player is the eight-hour sleep audio that we have on there. Um, we were, my wife and I, were just uh, on the on a our we call our hospital tour. We were in Washington D.C. Uh, a week or so ago at Walter Reed, 
uh, meeting with some of the soldiers and their families in the Walter Reed Warrior and Transition Unit, which is approximately 250 soldiers from all branches. In addition, we also brought on that same day the Warrior and Transition Unit at um, Fort Belvoir in Virginia. And two weeks before that, we brought on the Warrior and Transition Unit with the combination of the 101st Airborne at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and the Special Operations Forces at Fort Campbell. Um, we know that if the, soldier, if the soldier cannot get recruitative sleep, which we call REM, REM sleep, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to heal. And we have been working for a year and a half in now in 46 facilities, approaching 9,000 MP3 players passed out, and about 35,000 visits a month to our Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us website. We're beginning to uh, get traction. We, uh, we just were in Cincinnati, Ohio last week at the National Convention of the American Legion and we made the commander of the uh, retiring commander of the American Legion one of our songs and stories ambassadors. Uh, he was personally responsible for bringing songs and stories into uh, the, the the American Legion as a program. And this all happened within the last four months. Um, we're at the uh, hospital, VA hospital in um, in Indianapolis, Indiana. The point is, Jim, uh, I, I, this man's had a tremendous, tremendous challenge in his life and obviously has done exceedingly well. Yes. Um, I mean, we know that, for example, people with traumatic brain injury can also have PTSD, but people who have PTSD don't necessarily have a, a traumatic brain injury. We also know, and I didn't, we didn't find out from Brian or not, but Brian, are you married? No, no, no. Um, what we what we found, for example, at Walter Reed, the treatment for soldiers at Walter Reed, they allow the married spouses to participate in the treatment for PTSD and other injuries at Walter Reed for the servicemen who come there, because we know that in addition to the soldier, like yourself, who suffers from PTSD, and and hopefully you're you're well on your way to recovery. Many times the spouses and the children of the family of a veteran with PTSD also suffer PTSD. Yep. So in Walter Reed and other hospitals, we're also providing MP3 players for the spouses who are involved in the treatment of the veteran. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And, and what's, what's happening, Jim and Brian, is um, at the end of 2014... The average suicide rate in veterans was one every 83 minutes. By June of 2015, it had dropped to one in every 73 minutes. And by December of 2015, just eight months ago, it was down to one every 63 minutes. So we have veterans committing suicide almost one every hour, seven days a week. And if we continue at this pace for the balance of this decade, in that 10-year period from 2010 to 2020, more soldiers, more soldiers, sailors, Marines, Air Force, will have committed suicide than died in the entire length of the Vietnam War. Mm. It is a huge problem that um, not much is being done about it. There is some research, there's some alternative strategies, but the research that we've been able to find, music as a therapy to help calm people down. The nighttime is the most difficult time. I don't know whether you experienced that, Brian, or not. But in the hospitals, the clinical staff, the mental health staff, leaves at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, and the nighttime is the most difficult time for the soldier um, with uh, anger and frustration and fear and loneliness and abandonment. That's when the, uh, the fear rises, and it... It interdicts the ability to get rest from sleep and causes bad decisions. So I applaud you for 
the accepting the challenge and um, admire your courage and your tenacity. Uh, it's a wonderful story. Uh, what's the name of the book, Jim? It is uh, it is never ending battle after Iraq: A Marine's Road to Recovery. We've got. Uh, Can I ask a question? Yes, then? Don, jump in there. Um, I'd like to ask our guest: What are the two factors that uh, you think um, uh, really help you uh, on the road to recovery? My, my main things are doing what I enjoy, like four-wheeling and working out and helping others and sarcasm and laughter and just trying to be the funny guy and make everybody laugh and just have a good time. That is probably my ultimate therapy for me. And then, of course, I found out last year or the year before writing this book, writing everything down on a piece of paper and you just re- you look back on everything that is really awesome therapy as well. Come face to face with your demons. Brian, do you have your book on audio? I'm not sure. I have a I have the uh the freaking called MP3 or the ebook. The ebook. I have that out there and I believe that comes with audio. If you If you have uh, if you you're interested also, and I'm not trying to put pressure on you. If you if you're interested um, every so often as we order more players, we bring in a new author. If you've got an audio book, we would be proud to put you on our next distribution or as soon as we can uh, that your story could go out to at least a 1,000 veterans uh, who are dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder. So um, when we get off air... Um, maybe we can get an email address for you and we'll touch base with you about uh, bringing you onto our website and helping other soldiers. Yes, okay. Also, there's a website you can go to on my book if you feel like a sneak peek. It is battleafteriraq.com. That kind of gives like a heads up of what the book's like and a little of the description of everything. That's also a good way to order the book and I'm not, I believe you can get book off that if you want that as well or amazon of course you get the ebook and i think that comes with audio i'm not too sure i'm not too uh knowledgeable about that technology now jim what's jim what's the website battle battle after iraq.com yes now now iq um you you have a you have a different perspective of some of the different things that are that are going on. What, what, what do you think of uh, Brian's story? And do you have any questions for him? I'm humbled. I, I, I'm defending America through radio. I'm defending America through knowledge. He defended America with his body. I'm humbled. Thank you. Great sentiment, IQ. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Say, Jim. Yes. Um. We're we're going to spring something on you, and I think this is this particular. <laughs> hey, this that partic- works. <laughs> Go, Dan. This, this particular subject matter uh, is is apropos. Don and I have been talking about, and IQ, you just also brought brought it to the forefront. We were talking about um, the backup quarterback for the San Francisco Forty ers and his refusal to stand during the Pledge of Allegiance, and then yes. you might have seen the story and. South Carolina, where the high school principal forbade the the American flag at, in the football stadium, and uh, Don and I uh, have decided that we need to find out what we can do to help a certain group of people. So we're exploring the possibility and inviting your listeners to go to two guys from Verona dot com. And click on the American Association for White People. <laughs> okay. We think it's time um, to begin the process of recognizing that gentlemen like Brian and other people who may not be a man of color have contributed as IQ dramatically to our country. And every time something goes wrong, white people get blamed. 
Yes. And we think that white people have spent a great deal of time, people like Brian and myself and other people, uh, serving in the military because of their patriotic duty. So we're contemplating an American Association of White People with the principle of standing with the flag and behind the Constitution. And we want to find out whether or not there are any other people like-minded like us who are willing to say, you know, it's about time we grow a pair and stand up and say, okay, white people count too. White people have made a contribution. And uh, white people have been discriminated against. So if you have listeners who are interested in joining the American Association for White People, go to twoguysfromverona.com and they'll see a box where they can check and send us an email, good or bad, and we'll find out what America thinks between your show and our show tonight. America, So it's twoguysfromverona.com and it's the American Association for White People. Now I know, Jim, that some people listening to this program will probably think that it's racist yes. and we're anti, anti-black. But you know, yes. Jim... That's the reason why we need it. Yeah. Because it's 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 not a bad thing to be white. No. I didn't cho- I didn't choose the color of my skin and nor did Brian. But Brian decided from a very young age that he wanted to be in the military. He wanted to defend this country. He's a patriot and um, it doesn't make any difference what color his skin is. He wanted to be a patriot. He was proud of his country, was proud of his flag, proud of the, the Constitution. You know, I, I, I watched that quarterback, and I what came over me over the weekend, Jim, is that literally hundreds of thousands of men and women over the history of their country, of this country, have given their lives, limbs, or whatever, in defense of that flag and what it stands for. And it's about time that white people stand up and say, we count two. May I interrupt? Go, IQ. Go. I I don't honestly believe that any white man in the 21st century has to defend himself. If I were an American, I wouldn't join you, not because there is something wrong with what you're doing. I am an American first, American second, American third. If my race is white, polka dot, or yellow, is irrelevant. By the way, this piece of garbage that you're talking about, he's a Muslim. Did you know that? Really? No, I know that. He's a Muslim. He converted to Islam. That's why he's a piece of garbage. He converted to Islam because his girlfriend is <laughs> yes. a Muslim <laughs> woman who hates white people. <laughs> so please, let's put the record straight. Every Muslim, any American, any European who leaves Christianity or he leaves Judaism and he becomes a Muslim automatically becomes crap. That's automatic. <laughs> That's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> that is a very interesting <laughs> way to put it. IQ Al-Rizzoli with us today. Don Mazzella, Dan Perkins, of course, our special guest. Uh, he is he is a fantastic, fantastic guest. He's a war hero. The fantastic Brian Carpenter, former U.S. Marine, PTSD sufferer from acts of war. He's an inspirational speaker, resiliency expert. He's also the top-selling author of Never Ending Battle After Iraq, A Marine's Road to Recovery. Now, Brian, uh, our, our panel brings up an interesting interesting point you 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 fought uh, and and put your body on the line and your and and everything for uh, for this country what did you make of, of that situation with with the quarterback not standing for the uh, for the anthem well i have a more of a relaxed point of view with people's beliefs and their morals and values it's not white people, white lives matter black lives matter cops lives matter to me, it's all lives matter. Yeah. Regardless of what country you're in, what religion you are, everybody freaking matters in this country to me. Oh, and yeah. And if, just like they took the Pledge of Allegiance out of schools, 
Well, that's because they don't want to offend people from other countries because everybody matters. And if you want to do it, you can do it. If not, if not, it's, it's your it's your decision. So, uh, yeah, the San Francisco 49ers, that, I can hear about that story till now, but I just give him that. That's his choice. If he didn't want to, then that's up to him. But I hope he don't. He can't sleep at night knowing he lives in America freedom and have all the right freedom for that flag and I don't know why anybody would not want to stand up for it. But Brian, if I if I may ask you a question. Um um when I was growing up I I did not have perhaps the passion that you did to want to be in the military, but I believed it was my responsibility as a as a young man in the United States to serve my country. The country had given me a great deal. Um, and I spend a lot of time at military bases all over the country. As I said, I was just on a tour of three of them at hospitals, vis- visiting with veterans who, who've been uh, injured and are trying to recover, whether it's Walter Reed or whether it's at Brook Army or any other place around the country. What I want to ask you, if I'm and if I'm putting you on the spot, and you choose not to want to answer the question, please feel free. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious what you think as a patriot about what's going on in the United States today, and what your feelings are about the administration and the military today. It's, it's hard. It's with me, I think we are being led on by the government. I believe they lie to us and deceive us about what's going on and why they're doing this, why they're doing that. And they, I just don't think they want us up that high on the hill so they kind of beat us down by like that. It's kind of like with life. You got friends that say, I ain't got the money. They got all the money in the world, and they just want a freebie, and they're like, or we can't spend this because we ain't got the money. And I feel like that's what the government's leading us to. And did you, in your time in the military, did you, I mean, you, you talked about, you, you very specifically pointed out in your opening comments how things changed once you finished your you're, you came back and, and you were beginning to go into rehab. So, are you uh, again, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm just asking a question. Do you think that the administration, the current administration, has your back when you were serving? Yes, I will I will give the VA all the credit in the world because I tell you I'm spoiled from the VA. I'm 100% disabled and Social Security came out with a new thing for disabled vets like me that I got with and anything I want medical or dental anything I need period from the VA they hop skip and jump and they get it for me but that wasn't I'm sorry Brian that wasn't my question when you were over okay. there I'm asking yeah. the question I'm asking when you were when you were riding around in that armored vehicle or wherever you were did you feel like that the administration the president and had your back I'm not sure exactly what direction that you're asking. I'm just trying to find out whether you believe that the administration supported what it was you were doing and gave you all the resources necessary to carry out your mission. Oh, no, definitely not. The equipment, I believe, was them trying to save a penny by trying to get by, and then as time goes, more troops got killed and more stuff got destroyed, then they decided to upgrade. And how did that affect you mentally? Mentally, yeah, it felt, made me feel like it's, wow, we're just like guinea pigs out here. So you felt less secure? Yes, with the equipment we got, and then compared to the equipment we got now, it was, yeah, why couldn't we just go straight to that from the beginning? Right. So, go ahead, John. You know, I'd like to go, you know, uh, you've obviously had a great deal of interactions. Um, I'm curious uh, how um, 
the VA and and Americans in general can uh, can help you and and uh, veterans like you uh, to a quicker road of recovery. What would you do if you had the blank check? Okay, well, first for society, that is still the biggest battle for me is fitting into society and finding a job or finding a career or finding something to dedicate my life to because society will not accept me. And, yeah, I'm the angry, aggressive, react before you think, hardcore, hard-charging Marine, and people just can't deal with it. People will get pushed away from my life. I get pushed away from other people because... They can't accept me. They don't understand or they don't have leniency to say, this kid's got bad PTSD, so I'm going to let it go and maybe work with him a little bit. Everybody just runs or they feed the fire by arguing or fighting back. And that's just kind of how governments and jobs go for. I can't do anything in life to give me a belong- sense of belonging because nobody wants me because I'm 100% disabled. Well, does your your condition affect your ability to hold a job or to uh, complete tasks? Yes, I do have problems being on my feet, and then I can only sit for so long because my pelvis and tailbone and my uh, hypersensitive feet, back, pelvis, ankles are all shattered, and so it's hard for me to mobilize too much. And then on top of being bossed around by somebody in a disrespectful way, I will immediately snap, get aggressive, and react before I think. And Absolutely. I will mentally be able to handle a job with somebody bossing me around talking down to me. And, and part, of that, part of that inability to cope, do you sleep well? I have sleep apnea, which I have a CPAP machine for that. And I right. don't believe I ever hit a hit a REM sleep every night, and I wake up tired as heck every morning. That I have to fight just to get out of bed and get energy to get my day going. Okay, so what when we're what we're going to do, Jim? Um, yes. We're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have to help me here. We're gonna get an address for this gentleman, and we're gonna send him one of our MP3 players with the sleep audio on it, so that. In the combination of the CPAP machine and the, the REM sleep music may help you. Uh, I understand the the alcohol and the other drugs that you were using to try and get sleep. Uh, I, I met a veteran, a number of veterans all over the country who who have tried alcohol and drugs, both prescription and illegal. The the Abuse of prescriptions in the military, in the retirees, Jim, is about three times the national average. Uh, all of this with the, the, and alcoholism is higher, suicide rates are higher. It's all just trying to deal with this inability to sleep, to rest. But we're, we're going to try and help you. I can't make any guarantees, but we'll try and help you. But what's important, what's important also about what you said is that we have an economy, in a word, that just plain sucks. And so the opportunity for healthy people willing to work with 94 million people out of the workforce um, and the the movement of illegal immigrants, immigrants coming into the United States taking over jobs, there is little opportunity for you to find work regardless of your physical condition. I believe that if we had a more robust economy where there were more opportunities, um, I, I know of a gentleman, for example, in New York City who's desperately trying to put together a sheltered workshop um, for disabled veterans like yourself and other people where they can come and work at their pace, work at their own speed. If they have to get up and move and leave or whatever, they can do that. Uh, but we don't have an economy that's strong enough that can support those alternative employments. I believe you can be productive, but you you have to have a job that you're proud of and that you can make a livable wage at. Uh, and right now, our economy is not providing that opportunity. If we could get an economy growing at 3 or 4%, I believe that opportunity will be there for you and your fellow vets, disabled veterans, to find honest, meaningful, productive work. 
We've got a uh, great guest with us today. He joins us live here on our program. And uh, Brian Carpenter, former U.S. Marine, inspirational speaker, resiliency expert, also top-selling author of Never Ending Battle After Iraq, A Marine's Road to Recovery. We also have Don Mazzella from SB Digest and best-selling author Dan Perkins as well and our good friend uh, IQ Al Rizzoli. Now, IQ, listening to all this, from Dan and Don and, and our guest Brian, what, what do you make of all the different things uh, that have been discussed here today? I would like to ask them, why would Obama give $400, billion, $400 million to the Khomeini regime while a man like Brian, a gentleman like Brian and others like him are suffering? That $400 million should have stayed in America. We have traitors in the government. I use my words not indiscriminately. In fact, I use my words very judiciously. I call it treason to give $400 million to the Khomeini regime while Brian and people like him are suffering. I don't know about you guys. What do you think? Well, I, I would say, uh, IQ, I agree with you. I, 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 look at, I look at what happened and the denial the denial, the lie, the lie, the lie, the lie. And finally, the spokesman for the State Department basically admitted that it was ransom. When the President of the United States stood there and lied to the American people, we don't, we don't pay ransom. But in fact, we did pay $400 million ransom. And you would know better than I, IQ, but I believe in a matter of days, they took some more Americans prisoners after they released these four or five. So... Um, the idea that 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 people like Mrs. Clinton and her foundation and like a Barack Obama, uh, I, I was telling Don yesterday, IQ, that he said uh, that they're working on a on a an environmental treaty uh, with China, and the president, the White House, announced that the president was going to bypass. Congress, which under the Constitution has the sole responsibility for ratifying treaties, and this isn't like what we had with Iran. This is a full blood, full blooded treaty, and the president has decided that he's just going to ratify the treaty himself without Congress. Um, it's, it's it's just another example of the arrogance uh, and the the lack of respect for the law, the Constitution. Uh, of our country, uh, and and you know it, if I'm if I'm somebody like Brian, I'm beginning to wonder. Wait a minute, you know what's going on in my country? Uh, it, it's I don't know about you, Brian, but but as you look at what's going on in your country since you've come back and you've gone through this long journey already, and with much more of it to go, um, and I'm not I don't want to put words in your mouth, but. How has the country changed from when you were a little boy who wanted to go in the military? I just think that society in general is enabled in the wrong way. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's just it, people from being a little kid 30 years later till now and just looking at the difference is disgusting. Yeah. Everybody wants freebies. Everybody wants this. Everybody wants that. They want the government to do everything. They want... They, to, they, they don't want to have to struggle. They don't want to have to work to survive. They don't want to have to do this and that. And it's just disgusting to me because it's like the lack of effort from society is what hurts the country as well. And, of course, the work ethic of the country is very low. And it's like people just do things half-assed and then it ruins everything. Well put. I uh, I agree with you, Brian. I I I I'm 71 years of age, and I served in the military many many decades ago. Spent some time in a military hospital. wasn't uh, the, anywhere near the the pain and agony and suffering and the and the destruction that you've experienced in support of this country. Um, but even back then, uh, I I was amazed at the. The inability to treat uh, to, to treat servicemen with respect, and I, I look at it and I, I just think that uh, as a country we've lost our way. I mean, people like Brian, who 
from their earliest days of formation, wanted to defend this country. I wonder if there are enough Bryans out there to continue to want to support this country. I don't know. Um, but but the idea that you would you would willingly go there, fight, become terribly injured, and and start a journey of a commitment to try and heal yourself as best you can. It's a wonderful, wonderful story, uh, and you 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 have to be, or if not, you should be proud of what you've accomplished. And you know what, Brian. You should be proud of what you're yet to accomplish because I believe you will go on and accomplish other things. Hopefully, in November, we can find a president who will support the Bryans of the world, not only in the VA, but when they're fighting for our country. We've got Dan Perkins with us today, Don Mazzella, of course, IQ Rizzoli, our special guest with us today, the uh, fantastic author of Never Ending Battle After Iraq, A Marine's Road to Recovery. Brian Carpenter joins us today here in our broadcast. And, um, uh, gentlemen, let, let, let's, let's talk about some of the different, uh, different views and, and different news that's come out fairly recently. Um, Donald Trump is, uh, tied in some polls there's a lot of polls that he's winning uh what do you guys make of of things as we head towards uh this election i'll start with dan let me give you a piece of information that most people in this country who look at polls don't know jim a polling company when they when they try and find a thousand likely voters okay yes if jim if Jim Lowe did not vote in the 2012 election, he can't be in the poll. <laughs> wow. So all those people who did not vote for Mitt Romney Yeah, they in basically just sat at home. Yeah. Those people aren't allowed. That's amazing. They're not allowed to be in the polls, but they're allowed to vote. Yeah. And so as Don and I were talking about this this afternoon... There is a great number of Americans, perhaps tens of millions of Americans, who chose, for example, the Christian coalition. Didn't turn out for Mitt Romney in 2012. So that there is a huge number of people that are not counted in the polling data. And when they walk into that voting booth in November to poll the lever, they're not going to be in anybody's scope. And when they come out... And they tell what they did. I suspect, as Don does, that the numbers are going to be much more surprising. And uh, so I think that's one of the surprises that's going to come out of this election of how Don has his own comments about the polling data. But that the people who didn't vote in the previous Obama election are not in the polling data. And so the data is skewed. Don? No, no. Uh, I, um, I, I can start a lot of points, but the the main point, <laughs> which Dan pointed out earlier, was the fact that after this bombardment of uh, uh, ads against him, uh, you can't move in, in many of the channels without getting a, uh, a Hillary ad saying how terrible Trump is. Yet after all of this a solid month of it, and by the way, he has not been spending money on these ads, on, on ads countering it. He's even, at the worst, he's even, and at the best, he's ahead. Tells you that um, uh, there's something happening in this country that the media is not uh, uh, really taking note of. I mean, the, the drumbeat of negativism about Trump is, is amazing. It's amazing. Um, one need only pick up the Daily News of New York City. To see. It's amazing what they say about him. In fact, if you go back, it's interesting. Uh, many of the things they're saying were said in the, the 1860 campaign uh, against Abraham Lincoln. Truly amazing. Um, that's number one. Number two, the, the, the pollsters have this year been proven uh, wrong time and again in Britain, and here in the, in the United States. Um, and three, I think the the major thing that's happened, 
that Dan picked up and I just finished reading is the New York Times today came out on an editorial saying that Hillary had to sever her ties with the uh, with the, the foundations uh, with the, with the Trump, uh, yes, the, uh, the whole Clinton, Clinton Foundation. Foundation. But Dan pointed out a fact. Do you know? Uh, and Dan explained on this point. There yeah. are four other foundations that most people. I just wrote to somebody who's an editor, of one of the major papers, and he just came back. No, I did not know that. Jim, we, we the, the the media is saying, and and I just did a piece. It's on its way to. I don't know where it's going to appear. But I did a lot of research. And uh, the Boston Globe, USA Today, New York Magazine, on and on and on, are all saying that close down the Clinton Foundation. And Bill Clinton said that if, um, if Hillary's elected, he will resign from the Clinton Foundation. And, I, and you know, first of all, Jim, when, when the guy says, now listen to what I'm saying... <laughs> after after I'm elected president, we're not going to take any more foreign contributions. But between now and then, send in the checks, which was the <laughs> message that I believe that, that Bill was sending, number one. Number two, the piece that I'm, I've sent out, finished last night, is out being circulated right now. It's titled, Shut Down Which Clinton Foundation? Which Clinton Foundation? There's a Clinton Foundation in New York. There's a Clinton Foundation in the UK. There's a Clinton Foundation in Sweden. There's a Clinton Foundation in Africa. There's a Clinton Foundation in Hong Kong. Wow. Now, Jim, the British government, for some strange reason, decided to send 120, I think it's 128 million dollars to the Clinton Foundation, New York, when there was already a Clinton Foundation in London. They didn't send it to the London Foundation. They sent it directly um, to, the New York, to the New York Foundation. The Republic of Ireland wrote a check for $158 million. They didn't send it to the UK Foundation. No, I didn't. Notice I didn't say English, Jim. I said UK. Yes. They didn't send that $158 million to the U.K. Foundation. They sent it directly to New York. And um, then we have the Swedish, the Swedish Clinton Foundation. $31 million was raised by the postal lottery in four countries through Sweden and um, the, where they have a, a foundation, the Clinton Foundation in Sweden. And $89 million didn't go into the Sweden Foundation. It went to the New York Foundation. So now here's the question. We've got about, at least what we know, $325 million that was raised in areas where there was an existing Clinton Foundation. And instead of going to that country's foundation, it went to New York. Now, according to the UK charity board the UK Clinton Foundation in 2014 which is the latest reporting had over 500,000 pounds of income in 2014 they spent for 2% of the foundation for oversight and governance and management no contributions were made and they retained 98% of the money now, you cannot, I, believe me, I spent days, you cannot find anything about the Swedish Foundation, the Kenya Foundation, or the Hong Kong Foundation, and each of these foundations have their own separate boards, they raise their own money, and we have no idea who the donors are. So, I come back to the question, Jim, which Clinton Foundation should they shut down? Wow. <laughs> IQ, what, what, what do you think about this? And we'll go to Brian and get his thoughts on it. I have a friend of mine who is with me now who is freaking out. He doesn't believe a word he hears. It's Not true. 
It's true. Friend of mine. Doesn't matter who he is. I nearly <laughs> killed him. <today. laughs> Doesn't I matter who he is. He's an American. <laughs> I nearly killed him a few minutes ago. So <laughs> kill him. He doesn't believe what we are saying. He I doesn't know. believe. <laughs> yeah, so really, we have a problem here. So yes. IQ and if, I if, are, if, are on opposite directions, although we are reading exactly the same script. We come to yeah, I mean, I, I, can, I can send you, or, or through Jim, I'll send you a link to the report that I use, which is the basis of my research to start with, on where all the money went. I'll um, be grateful, I'll be grateful, because... He is telling me that everything done by the Clinton Foundation is completely transparent. Ho, 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 ho. Is he an American <laughs> on, a, on a non-profit board? Wow. Well, he's not on the board, but he's American. Is this the, is this the guy from last week, IQ? <laughs> yes. Uh, a similar. Other. A similar. No, I, <laughs> tell him I got a bridge to Brooklyn to sell him. <laughs> Why in the you know you, they they say it's not pay for play. But wait a minute, wait a minute. He has a he also has a bridge to sell you. <laughs> <laughs> over the over the problem problem Thames in London. We have a problem in veracity. <laughs> it's it's amazing. You know you look at it and you say wait a minute a hundred. Well here's another one. Um, if you go to the Clinton Foundation. Website, meaning the U.S. website. Yes. What you're going to find out is that in 2014, which is the last reporting cycle, they brought in a neighborhood of $350 million. They sent out about $250 million. However, this is a foundation that has $84 million in restricted funds it has $107 million of undescribed plant and equipment. I don't know why, $107 million. And they've got four hundred total of $430-some million in assets. This was as of the end of 2014. What does a, found, a philanthropic foundation that's supposedly supposed to be giving away all of its money, what is it doing with $108 million Intangible assets. Why? I don't understand that. And you can, you can, IQ, you can tell your friend to go to the Clinton Foundation website and look at the 2014 financials, and you're going to see exactly what I just told you. I believe you, but let me ask you a question. Sure. You mean the American administration doesn't know about it? The people who deal with taxation, they don't know about it? I mean, how is that possible? But They're too busy going I, after right-wing uh, uh, foundations to worry about the left. IQ. Well, uh, answer, I don't know if this is possible. I'm going to answer your question, IQ. The Swedish Foundation, the UK Foundation, the Hong Kong Foundation, the Kenya Foundation, if they don't solicit funds in the United States to create a tax-deductible event for an American citizen, they don't have to report. We have no way of knowing who the contributors are in these foreign foundations. There's another one, by the way, IQ, in Canada. Under Canada law, under, under Canada charity law, they can the Clinton Foundation in Canada can aggregate deposits from all over the world write one check to the Clinton Foundation in New York and doesn't have to disclose any contributors. None. Zero. So what I'm saying in my article, IQ, is that these are the known foundations. What we don't know is there are other deals in place around the world that we have no idea. This is a massive money laundering situation and to quote the Boston Globe it stinks um, and today uh, the New York Times which Don is the, it, the New York Times it's never true until it's printed in the New York Times and today the editorial board of the New York Times says she needs to get out from under this because She's providing information for Mr. Trump. So, 
IQ, if we get it, if, even if we don't, I don't get it published, I will send you the research. You can send it on to your crazy American friend who doesn't believe that <laughs> what I'm trying to Please do, please. He's laughing and I'm laughing and you are laughing, which is good. One of the things that I do, IQ, is I do my research. (laughs) You don't understand. He also does, see, this is the whole point. He says he has done his research. 94 million million unemployed. He says it's impossible to have 93 million people who are unemployed. (laughs) Okay, all right, sure. And there are no terrorists in the United States either. No, 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 there are terrorists. He, knows <laughs> no, most of he, he, doesn't, he doesn't disagree with that point. <laughs> 14 people do not have a job. Look, well, uh, I will not be able to convince him because he, he will not be able to convince me either or can convince any of you on the other side. But uh, we, need, we need proof. I have no okay. idea about the 93 million people unemployed. Okay, we can go, you can go to the Bureau of Labor Statistics website, the government website, and you'll see it. Uh, Jim, let me go back to our, our, our good friend Brian. Yes, yes. You, you've been you've been very patient listening to old men rant and rave. <laughs> oh, no, I, I'm sitting there gathering stuff because it goes with my point. I want to ask you one more question in the in the minute or so we have left. Yes, I want to know from him what is his impression of Hillary Clinton. Oh. I don't have an impression on anyone. I just don't agree with how this country is run. Why have one person run the country? Why don't we just have two, a Republican and a Democrat, and maybe a a third, like in the middle of both, run the country instead of just one person doing everything? And I don't ever believe with the way they say money's coming in, money's going out, because I could easily put on my website and my book I've got $300 million, and I'm not going to tell nobody about it because I just want to keep it. So, like, they can easily just lead everybody on by informed the debt ratio. And people, like you guys say, research, research, research. Well, you can be researching false information just to throw you off, and that, that's why I feel our government does do it. Okay. So, you know, uh, um, can I... Uh, go ahead, Jim, go ahead, you know, it's interesting you br- you bring up the idea of the uh, uh, t- two co-presidents, etc. Uh, I've been struck over the last four or five years by how, if if any of you read Tacitus and the uh, the decline of, uh, of the Roman Empire, one of the things, and I've been always amazed by the parallel between that Rome then and us now, and now you just added the one element that I hadn't heard up until now, which the, uh, which was uh, creating uh, two Caesars um, or uh, two or three uh, triumphs, triumphant to um, uh, manage. And now you just brought it up. And perhaps that's the next step towards um, uh, the further decline of this country if we're not careful. Right. It's a good thought, but you've got to be careful about it. Right. Yes, Jim. Very much, Jim. So. Get yes. a get a get off here. Get an address where I can send him one of our MP3 systems. Yes. I'll get out what, what, what I'll do is I will connect you guys. Uh, I'll send something to your Gmail, Dan, and uh, okay. I'll get you guys connected before we let everybody go. Um, Brian, the, the the book is available everywhere. It is a fantastic read. Never ending battle after Iraq: A Marine's Road to Recovery. Also check out battleafteriraq.com. And uh, Brian, thanks for being with us today. I appreciate. It, sir. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, Dan, uh, give us a plug, my friend, and then I'll let Don, and then we'll uh, we'll have IQ give us his final thoughts on everything. The books are the Brotherhood of the Red Nile trilogy. The sequel is in uh, in edit right now. Hopefully, out later this fall. Uh, the book website is danperkins.guru, and the Foundation for Soldiers with Post Traumatic Stress Disorder and Sleep Deprivation is. Songs and stories for soldiers. Us and Brian, thank you for your service. Thank you. I echo the the thank you on on a service, Brian. Um, our newest book, Recalculating, uh, is out in just two weeks from today. Recalculating. Biz is the website. You can learn all about it. It's got uh, over a hundred people talking about how best to 
uh, grow a company, then there's always our, our uh, 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 other site, smallbusinessdigestmag.com, and uh, hashtag 2SB Digest. Don't forget, Don, the, don't forget DonMazilla.com with your book. Oh, I'll, uh, I, I always do, but uh, I think the most important thing to say, we have Labor Day coming up. And while it, it does uh, celebrate um, uh, the, the, uh, the various unions, it also celebrates the fact that uh, American labor has achieved amazing things, and it doesn't mean it won't happen again. Uh, 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 celebrate Labor Day and think about it, and think how great this country is. Thank you. Well, IQ, wrap us up, my friend, and take us home. First, Brian, God bless you. I wish you well. All anybody wants to know about me is very simple. Google my name, Al Rasuli, A-L-R-A-S-S-O-O-L-I, and God willing, we'll meet again on Tuesday next. Yes, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I thank everybody for being with us, and uh, we are uh, definitely going to be having uh, an interesting discussion next week uh, here in our we podcast. We always do, Jiggy. <laughs> it is, uh, it, it is going to be fun. Um, uh, Dawn, while, while I've still got you guys uh, uh, with us, um, I, I sent something out to your, uh, to your